Welcome back to Relic Radio Thrillers. One quick note before we get to our story this week. We were having some trouble with four of the feeds on the website, including one for this podcast. So the last three weeks or so weren't showing up on iTunes, and I'm assuming other podcast programs. But it appears to be working now. Hopefully when this one goes up, you're going to hear it. You'll hear the past three. Everything will be good. Keep your fingers crossed. We'll hope things keep working. But for now, let's enjoy today's story. We're going to hear from Studio One. CBS series of 63 episodes that aired from April of 1947 to July of 1948. It's their adaptation of Dashiell Hammett's The Glass Key. This one aired April 13, 1948. Mr. Landy and Mr. Alan Baxter star in The Glass Key from Studio One at CBS. Don't pretend I don't know what you're like underneath, baby, because you know I do. I won't pretend. Not with you. Don't mind Ned, Janet. He's always rough like this. He doesn't mind, Madvig. No, I don't. We invite you to Studio One. Radio celebrated playhouse of dramatic entertainment featuring the world's great novels, stories, and plays in special versions for listening. And now to introduce tonight's great story, here is the director of Studio One, Fletcher Markle. He might be a friend of Sam Spade's. He might know the thin man and the fat man because he's a tall man himself and opposites attract. His name is Ned Beaumont and he's a tough guy a citizen of Dashiell Hammett's underworld of two decades ago. The Glass Key, which is... Beaumont's story is one of Mr. Hammett's grimmest portraits of Prohibition times. A mordant and memorable glimpse of a period when... more often than not, bullets were ballots, and might, if not exactly right, was at least persuasive. Tonight, to head the cast of our version for listening of The Glass Key, we have with us in Studio One Miss Alyssa Landy and Mr. Alan Baxter. Mr. Baxter, who's playing Ned Beaumont for us, is by no means unfamiliar with portrayals of violence in a hard Hammett world. And though Miss Landy is not immediately associated with the type of role that is Janet Henry's in The Glass Key, there's nothing like variety for a talented actress. With Miss Landy and Mr. Baxter, you'll be hearing Everett Sloan as Paul Madvig, the story's narrator, and Charles Irving as Shad O'Rory. Back to the end of the tempestuous 20s, then, and please to begin... Looking back, I'd say it all began the night I made my decision about Senator Henry. We met the senator and I away from our usual haunts. Both of us were being careful. Both of us wanted to feel the other out. Yes, I'd say that was the beginning, when I had that talk with Senator Henry. Now, what was that again, Medwig? If I support you for re-election, Senator Henry, it means the entire city machine will be in back of you. I know that, Medwig. It means you'll be re-elected. I expect it does. And I'm willing to do anything... There's nothing you can do for me, Senator. At least not at the moment. You want something, Madrig. What is it? It isn't money, you can be sure of that. Then what is it? We'll talk about it later. What about your man, Beaumont? 
Ned? Yes. What'll he say when he hears about this, about your supporting me? I'll handle Ned. You are supporting me, aren't you, Madrick? Yes, Senator. I'm supporting you all the way. I wasn't entirely sure myself how I'd handle Ned Beaumont. Ned wasn't an easy guy to handle. Of course, the papers played up the fact that I was coming out for Senator Henry. After all, I was the mayor. Ned Beaumont read the headlines the next afternoon. Mayor Madvig supports Senator Henry for re-election. City Machine endorses action. I knew that'd bring Ned to my office, and it certainly did. Listen, Madvig. Hello there, Ned. How are you? Lousy. What kind of a politician do you think you are? Here it comes. You know, Ned, the reason I have you as my advisor is so that any time I get thinking I understand politics, you can slap me down. Yes, and I'm always right. Are you supporting Senator Henry? Yes. Why, Paul? Why? Because with his help, we can put over the whole ticket just like nobody was running against us. Sure, but without your help, could the senator make the grade this time? Not a chance. Throw him down, Madvig. Sink him. Bury him. Nope. Yes. Up until now, the senator's never been beaten at anything in his life. Sure, and that's one of the best reasons for throwing in with him. That's the very worst reason for throwing in with him. Think that over, even if it hurts your head. Yeah, it's too deep for me. Look, the senator's respectable. You're not. He can't back you unless you change your stripes. You're going to have to become respectable, too, all of a sudden. Oh, Ned. I don't care what you do with your social life, provided it doesn't lose your votes. But in the conduct of office, as the newspaper boys say, you've got to be a regular guy. And the senator won't let you be. Couldn't be associated with you if you were. He's associated with me because he'll lose the election if I don't back him. Sure. But with him behind you, you won't be able to run City Hall the way you've always run it up to now. A job here, a buck there. Either the senator will make you respectable, in which case you won't ever win another election, or to square himself with his own silk-stocking crowd, he'll expose you. And you don't win any more elections that way either. Ned, look. This is one time I can't take your advice. We're supporting Senator Henry, and that's that. That's that, huh? Has the senator's happy blonde daughter got anything to do with this? She wouldn't talk that way about her, Ned. So? I'm going there to dinner tomorrow night. Madvig, if the senator didn't need your support in the election, do you think you'd be going there to dinner? I'm going to marry Janet Henry. Oh-ho! Is that part of the bargain? Nobody knows it yet, except you and me. Well, if you want to marry Janet Henry, make him put it in writing and post a cash bond. Or better still, insist on the wedding before election day. Ned, I don't know why you keep talking about the senator and his daughter as if they were yeggs. They're aristocrats. Like a drink? I ain't a camel. What about young Taylor Henry, Janet's brother? Is he an aristocrat, too? You made your daughter stop playing around with him, didn't you? Well, of course I did. Taylor Henry's a no-good playboy. Yeah. Thanks. Well, how's it going to work out if you marry his sister and he's your daughter's uncle-in-law or something? Oh, Ned. Will that entitle Taylor Henry to begin playing around with Opal again? Ned, if Taylor Henry's a heel, which he is, and I break up something between him and Opal, that's none of your business. Tomorrow night's your first dinner there? Yes. I don't like you supporting Senator Henry for re-election. And I don't like his daughter. Look, Ned, you haven't even met Janet Henry. I've seen her picture. I know the breed. Thoroughbred. I like mongrels. Do this for me, Ned. 
At least talk to her before you judge her. Come on over to the speak and have cocktails with us. When? Now. I've got a date with her. Well, congratulations. Oh, now, cut the kidding, Ned. Look, she's curious about you. Sure. I suppose she wants to pin me to the trophy board with all the other curious specimens. Now, Ned, listen. She just heard a lot about you. I've been bragging about you. Why shouldn't she be curious? I'm kind of curious about her, too, in a certain nasty sort of way. Look, I've got this cocktail date with her. What do you say? Okay, okay. We'll go to the speak and have cocktails with a fancy blonde, and we'll all order pink ladies. Will you have the same again, Mr. Madvig? Yes, please. Well, what do you two think of each other? Hmm? I think Mr. Beaumont's a fairly reasonable facsimile of a tough guy. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Henry. You're quite a surprise to me. I think you're Miss Cast. What do you mean? Miss Cast is a senator's daughter. Oh, Ned. That's all right. He's being complimentary. You're graceful, sure. But not graceful the way they taught you at Miss Somebody's School. Graceful the way a dirty little kid gets graceful dodging cars on the city streets. Graceful like an animal. Why, thank you, Mr. Beaumont. Don't say it that way. That's Miss Somebody's school talking. Don't pretend I don't know what you're like underneath, because you know I do. I won't pretend. Not with you. Oh, don't mind Ned. Janet, he's always rough like this. He doesn't mind, Madvick. No, I don't. He's a rough baby herself. <laughs> I don't know where your Miss Henry learned it, Madvick, but she's just like you and me. I know, I can tell my own breed when I meet it. She knows the world's a jungle, and you got to claw and kick and bite. I like that. Oh, you're a great kidder, Ned. Don't be offended, Janet. I like the way Mr. Beaumont kids. <laughs> I knew you two would get along. Paul, you suppose we could persuade Mr. Beaumont to join us at dinner tomorrow night? Why, sure, that's a wonderful idea. What do you say, Ned? Well, I... Please, I really want you to come. I know that. But thanks, no, I can't make it. No, Ned. Here you and Miss Henry have cottoned to each other so well, and we're all three of us friends now. Come on, Ned. Sorry, I've got a date. You can break it. You can't break a date with your conscience, Madvig. <laughs> Janet, that's the way this guy is. You can't understand him half the time. Oh, I understand him all right. <laughs> it is, it's four in the morning. Advic? Yes? Ned, you went to Senator Henry's tonight, didn't you? You know I did. Now listen, let me get some Was sleep. Was young Taylor Henry there tonight? Oh, yes, what of it? You fight with him? Well, what if I did? Just that Taylor Henry's lying dead in the gutter up the street from your house. Tell me about it tomorrow morning. He was murdered, Madvig. Tell me about it tomorrow morning. I found the body. The police don't know it yet. I just wanted to be sure you were in the clear before I called him. Go ahead and call the police, Ned. They got their jobs from me, didn't they? I don't know a thing, except what I've already told you. How did you happen to find Taylor Henry's body? I just happened to, that's all. Where were you going at that hour of the night? I was on my way to see a sick friend. Uh, uh. Why didn't you phone the police right away? I had to call my lawyer first. 
Did you know Taylor Henry? Everybody knew Taylor Henry. I guess Ned Beaumont had a pretty bad night. But the cops didn't give him a real working over because, after all, Ned was my boy. They didn't dare muss up the mayor's boy. So they didn't get very much out of Ned. He wasn't talking because he wanted to protect me. When the cops released him the next day, he headed straight for my office. Let's get a few things cleared up, Paul, and fast. You think I had something to do with killing Senator Henry's son, is that it? The very day I come out and back the senator for re-election? Really, Ned. Okay, Paul. But everybody knows you don't or didn't like Taylor Henry. Well, neither did anybody else. Look, Paul, I'm not trying to accuse you of anything. That's not it. All I want to know is, was Taylor Henry at the Henry home last night, and what time did he leave, and did you hear him say where he was going or who he was going to meet? That kind of thing. Well, what do you want to ask me questions like that for? Well, it would do us good just before election if our cops solved this murder. I'm not a cop. You appoint the cops. I don't want to discuss it, Ned. What do you mean you don't want to discuss it? I've got enough on my mind. Such as? Opal's sick. <laughs> if your daughter's a little under the weather, I don't know why that should get you down. Well, the thing is, she isn't really sick. Fine. She's sick. She isn't sick. I like that. No politician could get anywhere if he tried being consistent. Don't make jokes, Ned. She says she's sick, but she isn't really. She's refusing to eat and staying in her room and... Oh, I don't know. She's probably mourning Taylor Henry. Now, you know that was all over long ago. Don't get sore, Paul. I broke that up and she hasn't seen him since. You know that. Okay, okay. But something's biting her. Want me to have a look-see? Yeah, I wish you would. You handle her better than I do. Okay, is she in her room? Yeah. I'll go see her. Come in. Hello, Opal. Oh, Ned, it's you. I'm sorry to see you in bed this way, Opal. Madvig tells me you have a headache. Yeah, that's right. Madvig's a smart guy, but he doesn't know his daughter the way I do. I don't think it's a headache, Opal. Mind if I sit down? I wish you would. I know, youngster. I know how you feel. It's tough. Oh, no, really. I'm not very sick any longer. So, I'm an outsider now. I don't know what you mean, Ned. I mean, Taylor Henry. Oh. Yes, but... Ned, I haven't seen him for months. Not since Dad made me stop. All right. I'm an outsider. I'll leave. No, Ned. Ned, come back. Well, how long since you saw Taylor? Oh, Ned. Don't make it so hard for me. We're friends, Ned, aren't we? Sure, but it's hard to remember that when we're lying to each other. Did you know that I've been meeting Taylor? Yeah. Did Dad know it? Madvig is blind where you're concerned. Oh, Ned, I... I was with him only yesterday afternoon. All afternoon. And then last night... Take it easy, Snip. Ned, who could have done it to him? Take it easy. Now, how was he yesterday afternoon? What do you mean? Did you quarrel with him? I never quarreled with Taylor. You're sure? Nobody ever saw you quarrel with him? Ned, what are you driving at? You might be a suspect, Opal. Oh, no. You may as well face it. 
Do you suspect me, Ned? I'm a tired old man of 35. I suspect everybody. I see, Ned. I see what you're getting at. That's so? What am I getting at? You know who killed him. Do I? Yes. Yes, you know who killed him. And you're trying to protect... You mean I'm trying to pin it on you to protect someone else? On me or someone? Anyone, so long as the murderer isn't found out? I'd do that to you, Snip. You'd do that to anybody to protect? To protect who? You know who. And I know who. And you won't stop me now that I do know. And you won't stop me from putting him in jail. Well? You Ned Beaumont? Yeah. I'm Harry Ferris. Ferris? Highway Maintenance Department. Oh, yeah. I remember when Madvick gave you the job. How's the boy? Come on in. Thanks. Sit down. What's on your mind? Well, uh, it's about Madvick. You know the night Taylor Henry was killed? Yeah. Well, earlier that night, Ben Sloss and I were driving past the place where you found his body. Yeah? That's right. And, um... Go ahead. Well, we saw Taylor Henry and Madvig standing there arguing. You're sure it was Madvig? Yeah. You're sure it was Taylor Henry? Uh Uh-huh. How could you tell they were arguing? Well, you know, sometimes you can tell if people are arguing by the way they stand. Yeah, one is standing on the other's face. Listen, this is on the level. I wanted to see you because Ben is going to the D.A. about it. How much, Harry? Huh? I said, how much? How much do you want to tell the D.A. it was too dark to see who the men were? Look, uh, I don't want to see... Come on, Harry, that's what you came here for, isn't it? You know I'm Madvig's man. You know I wouldn't let him get hooked. Come on, drop the act. I understand. I like Madvig. I wouldn't throw him down. He gave me my job. I owe everything to Madvig, but... How much? Well, $10,000. Hello, Far. Oh, Beaumont. I told the girl to have you wait. That's funny. What is well, you're a district attorney, Farr, but I never had to wait to see you before. For that matter, I never before got a call from one of your flunkies asking me all official-like to come in here. What are you talking about, Ned? I'm thinking you see a little handwriting on the wall, Farr. I'm thinking you've heard from a fellow named Ben Sloss that Paul Madvig and Taylor Henry quarreled the night young Henry was killed. I'm thinking that you're thinking it's getting safe to be impolite to a mad big man like me. Now, Ned, look, you know I'm a mad big man myself. Well, I know he put you in as district attorney. I haven't forgotten that, but, well, there are some peculiar circumstances in the killing of Taylor Henry. Then you have talked to Sloss. Yes. Is that what you called me in here for? That's right, Ned, and there's one other thing. I've received a letter. A letter? Who wrote it? That's anonymous. Here, have a look. Ah. Dear Mr. District Attorney, why do you not question Paul Madvig when it is well known that he hated Taylor Henry? Why do you not question Ned Beaumont, who was a henchman of Paul Madvig's and who found Taylor Henry's body? (laughs) Why do you not realize that Madvig killed Taylor Henry and that Beaumont is lying to save him? That's the third one of those we've got, Ned. What are you going to do about it? Well, Ned, election is coming. On, you know, and I think I ought to clean up the Taylor Henry killing. Do you? Of 
course, you know, if you or if Madvig... Well, I mean, if there's any reason why I shouldn't, we can let it go at that. No, Farr, there isn't any reason. Madvig didn't kill Taylor Henry. I wouldn't like a guy like you who owes everything to Madvig to go around thinking he did. Well, I'm awfully relieved to hear that, Ned. I'm going to solve this Taylor Henry killing. You mean you're going to try... But I'm the guy that's going to solve it. Hey, Chad. Yeah, where's Keene? I got some... Bad? Good. All right, let's go in the back room, Whiskey. Okay, Whiskey. What is it? Read this. It came for you in this afternoon's mail. Hmm. Dear Mr. O'Rory, if you want to win the election, why don't you look into the fact that Paul Madvig hated Taylor Henry? Madvig fought with Henry the night of the murder. How about that? Ned Beaumont found Taylor Henry's body. Ned Beaumont is Paul Madvig's henchman. Couldn't you win an election with that information? Good. Uh, but It's what we've been waiting for, Whiskey. Here's where we hang one on Madvig and Beaumont, too. Hello. Beaumont? Yeah. Whiskey. Shed Rory wants to see you. Invitations, huh? Sorry, I'm out to lunch. You better come over and see him. Name one reason. Madvig's gonna burn for Taylor Henry's murder. If you don't want that to happen to him, come over and see Shad. Beaumont. He came. Yeah. I wanted you here, Ned, because... I don't like to see you get hurt. I don't hurt very easily. In an electric chair, you would. Now, mind you, Beaumont, I don't think you killed Taylor Henry. Thank you, sir. (laughs) But Paul Madvig was fighting with Henry the night of the murder, and you found the body. What I do think is that Madvig killed him, and that you are an accessory after the fact. Well, why talk to me about it? Why not turn Madvig and me into the police? Ah, you and I both know the police in this town aren't going to do anything to hurt boss Madvig. Maybe not. And I don't care, anyhow. Madvig can kill whoever he wants. I don't care. All I care about is winning the election. I could win it if I gave the facts about the murder of Taylor Henry to the Daily Observer. Why don't you? Well, look at what would happen. Madvig would get convicted. You're pretty sure of yourself. Madvig would get convicted, but uh, you'd get off. You're too smart in the first place. And they haven't really got anything on you in the second place. And everybody would sympathize with you in the third place, trying to protect your friend. Uh-huh. Oh, you'd get off. And you'd be my enemy. Go ahead, Shed. I guess it only sounds like hot air. You must have a meaning there somewhere. You're tootin' well right I got a meaning. I don't want you as my enemy. <laughs> I've watched you run Madvig. You're the smartest guy that's come down the pike in my lifetime. I want you for my friend. I want you to work for me the way you worked for Madvig. It happens I'm a friend of Madvig's. And it happens that I can send Madvig to the electric chair. Now, if you're his friend, you can save him from that. Yeah? How? 
You ought to know a lot about mad that I can use in this campaign. Oh? I won't go to the public with all the stuff I have about the murder if you'll spill all the political dirt to a reporter I know on the Observer. You haven't made any sense yet, Shed. I told you, I want you to work for me. That's what I get out of this. And you save your best friend from the chair. You've tipped your mitt, Shed. You haven't got enough on Madvig for the murder. You've just learned enough to know you could make me listen. But you're bluffing. You couldn't hurt Madvig. Suppose I couldn't. Think of it as a bribe if you want to. <laughs> We're all grown-up boys. Ned, we know how these things work. There's ten grand in it for you. Ten more election night if you win. Sold. All right. I'll go over to my place right now and write it up. It would be better here. Sorry, but I'm expecting some phone calls and things. I'm going. Uh, no. Yes. Rusty. Rusty. You want me, boss? Yes, Rusty. Mr. Beaumont here says he's going home. I say he ain't. Then he ain't. Okay, you ready to sing? No. <laughs> I like this. I like bouncing you around. Ready to sing? No. Well, I guess I'll have time for a smoke before he comes to. You know what, Beaumont? You're a wise guy. You was never going to tell Shad a thing. No, you don't. You don't fall over. I'll hold you up, old Patsy. I'll hold you up. You was never going to tell. You just made out like you was to see what you could learn. A wise guy, that's what you was. You was going to sneak home, huh? Tell Madwick, huh? Well, what we do to wise guys, we keep them right here. Well, I guess I won't hold on to you anymore. You can go free, pal. <laughs> yeah, whiskey? Rusty says Ned Bowman ought to come to any minute. Again? Come on, let's go upstairs and make him talk this time. <laughs> I'm a monkey's uncle. He was here, boy. Well, for... the window's open. Hey, can you beat it? The guy dropped two whole stories in his condition. Maybe he didn't like me, huh? Now, come on, let's get down there. Maybe he's still around. No sign of him. He couldn't have gotten far. He sure couldn't. Well, whatever he did, he's gone. I'll miss him. Hey, cop. Good evening, Mr. O'Rory. Oh, good evening, officer. Looking for something? Why, no. Or for somebody? Why do you ask that, officer? I just wondered. I found a poor fellow all beat up, crawling along the sidewalk on all fours. I put him in an ambulance. There was quite a lot of blood. Well, I don't know anything about it. I'm glad he ain't here now. 
I can't stand the sight of blood. They'd really given Ned a going over. He was a mess of blood and bruises when the cops found him unconscious in the gutter. I don't think he remembered much of what they'd done to him. He was too far out for that. I'll never know how he got the strength to pull himself to that window and drop down those two floors and crawl along the street. Even Ned didn't remember much of it. In fact, he didn't remember a thing until he opened his eyes quite a while later and found a strange girl bending over him. Take it easy. Mm. Easy does it. Mm. Steady now, steady. Oh. oh, yes, you said it. You're in St. Luke's Hospital, Mr. Beaumont. Hospital? Yes, I'm your nurse. Uh, what day is it? It's Monday. How long have I been here? Huh? This is your third day. Where's the telephone? Oh, stop that. You can't use the telephone and you mustn't get yourself excited. You use it then. Call Filmer 9970 and tell Mr. Madvig. I gotta see him right away. You've seen Mr. Madvig. When you were admitted here, you wouldn't let us put you to bed until you'd talk to him. Look, do you feel up to meeting a lady? Who is it? Miss Janet Henry. Janet Henry? Hmm? I had to come to see you. I, I hope you don't mind. Ah. I'm glad, I guess. If you'll excuse me. How are you feeling? Pull up a chair. Paul Madvig told me what happened to you. What did he say? That you let yourself be almost killed rather than tell certain things about him. That's the way I feel about Madvig. Yes, I... I... You what? I think it's wonderful. No, you don't. You think it's very peculiar. Please. That's true, isn't it? Yes. Call me Ned. All right. We can't fool each other, Janet. No. You know what I did for Madrig? I know. I just told you I knew. I don't mean that. I mean, I refused an invitation to your house. Oh. That's the way it is, Janet. I see. All right. Tell me something. When I saw Madvig after I got beaten up, did I let him know they were going to turn the observer loose on him? Yes, you did. Was he able to do anything about it? Apparently not. They're printing things now. Connecting him with the murder of your brother? Ned, please. Connecting him with the murder of your brother? Yes. How do you feel about that? Ned, you said the first time I met you that I had the same idea you had, that, that life was a struggle, that you had to kick and claw and bite. I thought then I knew what you meant. I didn't think you meant anything as nasty as what you're doing to me now. Or as nasty as what you're doing to Madvig. Why don't you like me? Because I... Uh, I'm afraid maybe I do like you. Good. I want you to. Yeah? Because it would be easier to handle me that way? Certainly not. Because you could get in some real kicking and clawing on Madvig if I liked you so much that I wouldn't try to stop you? Don't you dare talk that way to me. You don't like it? I don't. Okay. There's the door over there. I don't think it's locked. Goodbye. Better luck next time. We'll see. Thank
Studio One, radio-celebrated playhouse of dramatic entertainment, you are hearing Miss Alyssa Landy and Mr. Alan Baxter starring in The Glass Key, a version for listening by Robert Senadella of the Dashiell Hammett novel. Studio One will resume after the customary pause for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. From Studio One, we continue tonight's full-hour dramatic entertainment. Miss Alyssa Landy and Mr. Alan Baxter star in Fletcher Markle's production of The Glass Key by Dashiell Hammett. Any relation between the political methods employed in this story and those of the present day is quite improbable. Ned. How's the boy, Jack? Fine. These hospital people say that you're coming along all right. I was, until the nurse told me you were coming in. Why? Don't you like visitors? It's bad for my heart to get a visit from a city detective. Mind if I sit down anyway? Oh, pull up a chair. I wanted to see you first. Ned, I've got something you'll be interested in. Give. The DA assigned me to the Taylor Henry killing. I've been trying to trace those anonymous letters. And have you? Looks like those things were written by Madvik's daughter, Opal. What makes it look like that? Here are two letters. One of them the DA got through the mail. Can you tell which? Mm, look the same to me. There's no difference. I wrote the other one on Charter Street where Taylor Henry had a room. I wrote it on a typewriter that was there and on paper that was there. Only two people knew about the place. Taylor Henry and Madvik's daughter. Thanks for telling me this, Jack. There's more. All right, give. It looks like Opal Madvik's the one who's been handing the Observer most of its material. She's been around with Matthews, the publisher, all day today. Just before I came in here, Matthews and Mrs. Matthews brought her out to their summer place. Yeah, looks like the Observer will be loaded with dynamite tomorrow. Where's the Matthews' summer place? Out on the lake, the other side of the hill. Do me a favor, Jack. Sure, Ned, anything. Goodwill Garage, Exchange in Congress Streets. Tell Harry to get a car ready for me. I'll be in for it later. Sure, sick. You can't get out of this hospital. Sure I can. But to do it, <clears throat> probably have to wrestle with that nurse. <laughs> hey, not a bad idea. Ned was heading for the Matthews summer place. He was a shrewd fellow, but so was my daughter in her own way. Opal was there ahead of him, talking to Matthews. But they can't stay here, Mr. Matthews. Ned Beaumont will be getting out of the hospital. He'll start looking for both of them. Yes, Opal, I suppose you're right. Hide them someplace else, old Rory and Rusty, where, where Beaumont can't get to them. I have a hideaway no one knows about. You've got to put them where, where Beaumont can't find them. Very well, my dear. You go into the living room and stay with my wife. I'll tend to the others. They'll be on their way in five minutes. Opal. Yes, Mrs. Matthews? Look out there on the drive. 
My husband's putting those two men in the station wagon. Why won't he tell me who they are? Does it make any difference? I don't like them, Opal, and I don't like to see my husband mixed up with such people. Your husband is a newspaper publisher, Mrs. Matthews. He's in a position to do a lot of good. I know that. Sometimes to do good, you may have to... Well... May have to do what, Opal? Things that some people wouldn't understand. Things that... Well, it, that seem nasty. If they only seem nasty, it's all right. Well, they've gone. Mr. Matthews, why don't you tell your wife what a splendid thing you're doing? Yes, Well, what is all this? Well, I... Look, Eloise, I don't like to worry you about business matters. Mm. Looks as though my husband isn't certain he's doing a splendid thing. Oh, fine. More visitors. I'm not expecting anybody. Will you see who it is, Opal? I want to talk to her. All right. Eloise, my dear, please listen. No, Hal, I don't want to listen yet. Hal, I just want to remind you. Remind you of what you were. You remember when you first took control of the Observer? Yes. We were going to build a shining and wonderful career. You were going to run a paper with dignity and integrity. You were going to... We were going to fight for truth and justice and cleanliness. Eloise, I still want to well, do why that. why have you shut me out then? You used to tell me everything. We used to plan together. It's because I love you. I don't understand that. Eloise, you're everything to me. Everything I do is for you. When you print scandal in the Observer, is that for me? I tried to keep him out, Mr. Matthews. Hello, Matthews. White, Beaumont. My car broke down. I was quite sure you'd give me shelter, Matthews. But now, see of here. Of course we'll give him shelter, Hal. Sit down, Mr. Beaumont. Thank you. Mrs. Matthews, isn't it? Yes. But, Mrs. Matthews, his car isn't really broken down. He... That's right, Opal. My car isn't really broken down. Now, see Mr. here, Beaumont. Beaumont, do you mean you're here on the same mysterious business as those other men? What other men? Don't tell him anything, Mrs. Matthews. He's against us. What other men, Mrs. Matthews? One was called Shad, one was called Rusty. Oh. Well, that'll be Shad O'Rory, political boss and gangster, Mrs. Matthews. Rusty is the handsome guy he hires to kill people for him. You're joking. Hardly, Mrs. Matthews. Beaumont, you will leave my house. Yes, put him out. Do you want me to tell you what's going on, Mrs. Matthews? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think I want to know. Opal thinks her father murdered Taylor Henry. Ned... And thinking that, Mrs. Matthews, Opal went to your husband after she saw the junk he'd been printing. Of course, your husband doesn't think that Madvig has done any killing. Your husband is just in a tough spot. You see, his mortgages are held by the state central, which is owned by Shad's candidate for the Senate. So your husband has to do what he's told. Now, wait a minute, Beaumont. You can't... Let him talk, Hal. Thanks, Mrs. Matthews. You see, your husband is simply throwing mud wherever Shad O'Rory tells him to throw it. He can't make an outright accusation, but he can come out tomorrow with a headline, Opal Madvig accuses father of murder of Senator's son. He did murder him. Hal, is what Mr. Beaumont says true? Darling, we're just insisting that the police question Madvig. I don't mean that. Well, when Opal came to see me, I, I saw an opportunity to point out that Madvig... Oh, no, Hal. Is this what's happened to our dream? Our fine, decent, truth-telling, dignified newspaper of gutter sheet? Run by a man who knuckles under to cheap politicians? Eloise, listen. We're through, Hal. And I don't mean for a while, I mean for good. Eloise, everything we've had, everything we've meant to each other... Is over. 
Listen to me, darling. I... Well? Nothing. Nothing. I'll go now. Only I want you to know I love you, Eloise. I want you to know I love you. Ned, you're cruel. I'm cruel. You can say that, Snip. You don't know what Mrs. Matthews means to her husband. Doesn't look to me as if I meant as much to him as Shadow Rory does. Mrs. Matthews, you need a drink. Yes, it's over there. What? What was that? The other room. Come on. Better get her out of here, Opal. Oh, oh, God, what have I done to you? Hello, Madvig. What is it? Matthew's just committed suicide. Why did it happen? His place on the lake. Why are you calling me? I wanted you to know he didn't leave a will. Oh? It'll be up to the court to appoint somebody to administer the estate. So it will. Couldn't you see to it that it comes up before the right judge... So we can keep the newspaper on our side until after election? Sure, I think that can be arranged. That's only part of it. The observer's going to be loaded with dynamite tomorrow morning. Yes? You better get some judge out of bed. Get an injunction to stop the paper until you can show the observer's staff where they stand. How can you be so sure that Matthews didn't leave a will? I was there when he killed himself. He wrote out a will, left it on the desk. But somehow it got burned. Ned. Madvig. Campaign isn't going so well. All right, let's have the bad news. McLaughlin, third precinct leader. He won't deliver his votes. Well, we can do without them. Maybe. Pessimistic? It all depends. On what? On whether Taylor Henry's killing is cleared up. What are you talking about? We've got the observer on our side now. We got it on our side too late. That killing isn't cleared up, you'll be sunk whoever wins the election. Will I? Practically everybody in town thinks you killed young Henry. Do they? You're not too busy. I'm not just taking up your valuable time with my nonsense. I'm listening to you, Ned. You always talk sense. Thanks. Now listen, why do you suppose McLaughlin's trying to you down? Because he figures you're licked. He figures that people won't elect your candidates when they're letting you get away with murder. You think I'm licked, Ned? You probably are. All right, what can I do about it? Clear up the murder. No, that won't do. Think of something else. There isn't anything else. Want me to work on it, Madvig? I have a pretty good idea who killed Taylor Henry. No, Ned, no. Lay off it. Why? Because I killed him, Ned. Yeah? I'm sorry about that. And it was an accident. He ran down the street and came after me with a cane. I grabbed it away from him, and somehow I hit him on the head with it. He fell back, his hat rolled into the gutter, and he smashed his head against the curb. There was no hat there when I found him. Well, he had one on. What did you do with the cane? I took it away under my overcoat and burned it. Ah. You've gummed things up plenty, keeping quiet all this time. You had a clear self-defense plea. Yes, I know, but I didn't want that, Ned. I want Janet Henry more than I ever wanted anything in my life. And what chance would I have if... What chance have you got with her now? What do you mean? Wake up, mad big figure things out. There's a lot of talk around town connecting you with the murder. Don't you suppose she's heard it? Don't you think she figures you killed her brother? She hates you, and she's always hated you, Madvig. Ned, I warn you. She's strung along with you to win an election for her old man, but she hates your guts. That's enough. 
Get out. This is the kiss-off, you heel. I'll get out when I finish talking. You'll get out now. You haven't said anything I believe. And you never will. Okay, Madvig. Well, that's the way things happen. They sing about it in songs, cheap songs. How two friends break up because of a woman. I knew that Ned Beaumont could do several things. He might pack his bags and get out of town, or he might be so sore at me that he'd throw in with Shad Rory. Well, he did none of these things. Instead, he phoned Janet Henry and asked her to come up to his apartment. I'm not quite sure why I'm here. You're here because I asked you to come. I could take that as an insult. Don't be the finishing school babe with me. You and I are just alike, and you know it. You came because there's something between us. We haven't said anything about it, but it's there. Please. Am I wrong? No. No, Ned, you're right. But, well, let's leave this alone, this thing that's between us. Okay. Why did you want to see me? Partly because you're you and I'm me. Partly it was about Medvig. Stick to that, please. I understood you weren't working for him any longer. That's right. But I can talk to you about him, can't I? No. You did that once. I didn't like it. Now, just listen to me and then leave if you want. Your father wanted you to be polite to Madvig. Bring him along so he could get Madvig's political backing, right? I'm not listening to you. Okay, I'll talk to the wall. I figure you were willing to play along. I figure you didn't like it. You didn't like Madvig, but you obeyed your old man. That was okay. Distasteful, but okay. Until someone killed your brother and you decided it was Madvig. Then it was too much. Am I boring you? I'm not listening. We need each other, Janet. You hate Madvig. Suppose I do. What about you? Figure it out. He kicked me out of the organization, didn't he? You hate him? I hate him. What are you getting at, Ned? Just this. You and I are going to pool forces and see that Paul Madvig hangs for the murder of your brother. Are you listening now? I'm listening, Ned. Go on. political campaign is entering its final week, and the smart money begins to see the candidates of Boss Shadow Rory triumphing over the candidates of Boss Paul Madvig. Now, listen to that. This reverses the prognostications earlier in the campaign when Madvig and Senator Henry merged their local and national campaign. One by one, Madvig supporters are leaving the latest and probably most important exodus from the Madvig political camp, being that of Ned Beaumont, reportedly the brains behind the Madvig political machine. It will be interesting to see how Madvig... Garbage. Don't you like to hear your name on the radio? Not when it's used that way. I thought you hated Paul Madvig. Yeah, but I'm pretty new at it. I forget sometimes. Well, let's get on to cases, Ned. If Madvig really told you he killed my brother... He did. It's no good. It'll be his word against mine. Then what can we do? Well, I've been thinking of that. Can you check to see if your brother's hats are all accounted for? I suppose so. Why? And look around the house for walking sticks. See if there's a walking stick missing. All right, Ned, but why? Mad Big said he did it with a walking stick, and he said your brother was wearing a hat. There was no hat, and there was no walking stick anywhere near the body. Is that important? I'm not sure, but it might have some meaning one way or another. 
Yes, we've got to get evidence. We've got to. Your heart's really in this, isn't it? Yes. In addition to everything else, Ned, I... You what? You know what. You're glad to be in this with me? Yes. Come here, you dirty No, little... no, Ned. No, no, not yet. Not until we've got Madvig. Stop it. You couldn't keep yourself from coming into my arms, and you know it. Come here. Yes, Ned. You dirty little traitor. I'm afraid about you, Ned. I had a dream. What was it? We were lost in a forest, you and I. Tired and hungry. We, we walked and walked until we came to a little house. We tried the door. It was locked. And through a window we could see a huge table piled high with all kinds of food. And you took a key out of your pocket. You gave it to me and left. I was so happy. All I had to do was put the key in the lock, open the door. Did you do it? Well, I put the key you'd given me into the lock and turned it. The key broke. It was made of glass. And that makes you afraid of what I might do to you in real life? Yes. But... But I'm the only person that can help you get the goods on Madvig. Oh, no, not just that, Ned. I know, but convicting Madvig comes first. Yes. All right. You find out about the walking stick in the hat. I'll find out. You're sure you want to go through with this? I want to go through with it more than I ever wanted to do anything in my life. Well, that's pretty funny. What is? You used the same words Madvig used, telling me how much he wants to marry you. Ned had what he wanted. He had Janet working with him. Now he'd be able to get into her house. He'd even be able to talk to her father, and he lost no time. Of course, the senator would never have seen him if Janet hadn't arranged it. She phoned Ned and told him to come to the house the next day. And he was there ahead of time. Hello, Ned. Hello, Janet. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. It's okay. I've been getting acquainted with your ancestors up there on the wall. Where did those crusty old buzzards ever get you? <laughs> you found out anything? Yes. Taylor's hats are all here, and so are the walking sticks. So you see, Paul Madvig lied. Seems like it. He was just trying to make it look like self-defense. That's right. Why couldn't you have called me last night? He asked me to marry him. Madvick was here with me. How did you handle that? I said it was too soon after my brother's death for us to be engaged, but I didn't say we couldn't be a little later, so we've got what I believe is called an understanding. You're really a dirty fighter, aren't you? Do you know any other way to fight? What a spot Madvick would be in if you loved him as much as you hate him. Don't say that. Don't ever say that again. All right. Uh, it looks as if we're winding things up, but let's have your version. What happened in this house the night Taylor was killed? Taylor and Paul Madvig quarreled, and after Madvig left, I went to my room. I wasn't there when Taylor ran out after Paul, but my father told me about it when he came to my room late that night. And let me know that Taylor had been killed. I think your father's more interested in the election than who murdered his son. No, no. And why does he stay friendly with Madvig? You're beastly. Maybe. You and I will never hang Paul Madvig unless we get your father to tell us what happened after you went to your room that night. Do you suppose you can talk to him? He's in his study now. Let's go. Well, Beaumont, what brings you here? Father, we have something to tell you. Well, go ahead, Ned. 
What we've got is pretty strong evidence, including a confession, Senator, that Paul Madvig killed your son. What is this pretty strong evidence? He says your son ran out after him that night and tried to hit him with a walking stick. But Madvig took the walking stick from him and killed him with it. Says he burnt the stick, but your daughter says it's still here. It is. All the walking sticks are here. So? Well, sir, if your son didn't have the stick, that'd blow up his story about its being self-defense. He killed him, Dad. Paul Madvig killed him. Is there, uh, any other evidence? Well, there's stuff to back this up, but you've got the main story now. That's enough, isn't it? Quite enough. Well, Father? I can't believe it, yet it seems to be so. If you'll excuse me for a moment, I should like to be alone. But, Father... I should like to go to my room. Excuse me. Hey, look here, Janet. Is he likely to fly off the handle? Is he likely to go dashing off, hunting for Madvig? I don't know. We can't let him do it. There's no telling what would happen. Senator Henry... Just a minute, Senator. You would have please excuse me. I must go out. Don't go, Father. Listen to Mr. Beaumont. I have listened to Mr. Beaumont. I'm acting now on what he told me. You mean you're going after Madvig? You're going to kill him? Mr. Beaumont, I cannot bear the thought of my son's murderer walking around free and unpunished. And why don't you give yourself up? What? I said, why don't you give yourself up? You and I both know that you killed your son, Senator. <laughs> Taking him away, Janet. Get out of here. Nope. I'll stick around a while. My father didn't do it. You No, he didn't. Yes, he did. This is what you've been working for, isn't it? You said you'd help me. Came to me and said you would help, and all, all you were looking for. All I was looking for was the murderer of Taylor Henry. I found him. You framed him. I would have framed him, but I didn't have to. I'd have framed you. I'd have framed anybody to save Madvig. Dirty rotten. Dirty, am I? What about you? What were you doing to Madvig? Letting him hold your hand, letting him make love to you, leading him on, letting him think he could marry you. While you were trying to get evidence to put him in the death house. Yes, and I'll get it yet. I won't let you do this thing to my father. You haven't any choice. He killed his own son and he'll die for it. And you're going to have to take it and like it. I'll prove my father didn't do it and I'll prove Madvig did and that you knew it all the time. And I'll come and laugh when they strap you to the electric chair. Listen, Janet. Listen to some cold facts Get away now. from me. Now you're going to listen. Go ahead and slap me. But listen anyway. Taylor ran out after Madvig that night, taking a walking stick with him and wearing a hat. That was bad. Madvig might get mad. He might withdraw support from your father. When your father thought of what might happen to his chances of being reelected, he ran after Taylor. He got the walking stick away from Taylor, a man as big as Madvig could handle a little jerk like your brother. You... Your old man came up and Madvig handed the walking stick to him. But your old man was still thinking of how Taylor might ruin his chances in the election. Oh, no! So your old man took the walking stick, Janet, and he lifted it high with both hands, and he brought it down with all the force he had on your brother's head. And Madvig, ha-ha, <laughs> Madvig was so much in love with you that he told your old man to go home and forget the whole thing. And your old man did. Do you know Why? You know why he let your brother lie there like a bundle of bones? Because it was good politics. Because if he didn't do it, he might lose the election. <laughs> Just stop to think that Madvig covered up for your father all this time. Stop to think that your father was going to get rid of Madvig so he couldn't talk. And then slapped me around. Okay, I've had enough. Here's one for you. Oh. How do you like that? <laughs> Janet. 
Janet. Janet, hey. Take it easy. I'm shivering. I feel awful. I'll hold you. I'll hold you. Take it easy, baby. Don't let me go. I'll take care of you, Janet. I still hate you. But you love me. I love you. You'll be all right. What's going to become of me? What's going to happen to me? Now, quiet, baby. I'll take care of you. You're going to stick with me. Yes, Ed. Yes, darling. Madvig, come in. You, uh, packing, Ned? Yeah. Where are you going? I don't know. Ned. What? I came to tell you that you were right, and I know it now. That's okay, Madvig. I'd like to think that whether you went or stayed, that you weren't holding anything against me, Ned. I'm not holding anything against you, Madvig. Shake hands with me? Certainly. Oh, Ned, don't go. Ned, stick it out with me. I need you now. I've always needed you. And I want to make up for... You haven't got anything to make up for with me. You'll stay, Ned? I can't, Madvig. I gotta go. Well, serves me right. That's got nothing to do with it. Well, then I don't get it. Janet. Hello, Paul. Well... I don't know what to say either. Well, I... I didn't expect this. I... <laughs> I guess the wind is knocked out of me. I've done you a lot of harm. I don't know how to apologize. Oh, now, don't talk that way, Janet. Madvig, listen. I've arranged for your father's defense, Janet. Please, that doesn't mean anything to me. Madvig? Yeah, Ned. Janet isn't going to marry you. There's another guy. Oh... Me? Well, now, wait a minute. She... she wants to, Madvig. Yes, Paul, I do. Oh. I, uh... Oh. Lots of luck to both of you. You dirty heels. Sorry. I didn't mean that. Bye. Ned. I feel rotten. Well, how do you think I feel? <sighs> Come on. Let's us get out of here, too. Studio One at CBS, you have just heard Miss Alyssa Landy and Mr. Alan Baxter starring in Fletcher Markle's production of The Glass Key by Dashiell Hammett. Another of the world's great stories from radio's celebrated playhouse of dramatic entertainment. Tonight's script was prepared by Robert Senadella, and the original musical score was composed and conducted by Alexander Sandler. Now again, Mr. Markle.
May a producer identify the principals in our cast tonight. In the foreground of Mr. Hammett's little excursion into the underworld of nearly 20 years ago... Ned Beaumont... ...was played, of course, by Mr. Baxter. Janet Henry... ...was played by Miss Landy. Paul Madvig... ...was Everett Sloan. Shad O'Rory... ...was Charles Irving. Opal Madvig... ...was Catherine McGregor. Senator Henry... ...was played by Robert Dryden. Joe DeSantis played Rusty. Betty Kane and Gregory Morton were Mr. and Mrs. Matthews. Hedley Rennie was Whiskey... And Miriam Wolfe, Mandel Kramer, Don Briggs, John Merlin, and Louis Quinn were heard in active assistance. Next week from Studio One, our story is from the classics. And it's a very wonderful story. Jane Austen's exquisite and evergreen romance, Pride and Prejudice. As for our star, we look forward to another sparkling performance from Hollywood's Miss Geraldine Fitzgerald. We hope you'll be with us. And now until next week, until Geraldine Fitzgerald stars in Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, this is Fletcher Markle with a good night and thank you from all of us in Studio One. Relic Radio Thrillers for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Studio One at relicradio.com. Alongside all the other podcasts, thousands of old-time radio episodes available to listen to all for free thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. And I forgot to mention earlier, if those feeds ever fail again, the new shows are always on the website, relicradio.com. That's going to do it for this week. I'll be back next Friday with another episode of Relic Radio Thrillers. Thank you.